I titled the message today, um, Not the W Word. Not the W Word. Witnessing. Witnessing. The evangelism linebacker had a, a few interesting takes on witnessing. But a lot of us, what happens is, is we, we give our life to Christ and we, we start growing and we start learning about different things that God wanted us to do. And then finally someone, and I don't know who it is, it's always some older lady, I think, that comes up and says, you know, you should be sharing your faith. You should be sharing your faith. And the truth of the matter is, is that for me and maybe even for you, this is the most difficult aspect of my Christian walk. It's very difficult because a lot of times, if I'm not sharing my faith actively with people, a lot of times what happens is, is that I begin to feel guilty about that. I hear a message like I'm giving you today, and you think, oh, I need to do that. Oh, I need to do that. I need to do that. A lot of times what happens is, is that we feel guilty about not sharing our faith. And a lot of people think maybe they need the evangelism linebacker to come and knock them over a little bit and to walk with them up to the door and say, tell them, tell them, tell them, tell them. One of the things that I've done before is I've went with people who have uh, a spiritual gift of evangelism. And I want you to know that evangelism is a spiritual gift. The, the, the fact that you can freely share your faith is a spiritual gift. It really is. And I want to tell you something else too that may help you out a little bit. Not everyone has that spiritual gift. The message that you'll hear in the next half hour, an hour and a half from now, Buddy's going to speak. And Buddy has a, probably will have a different message than I'll have this morning because Buddy has a strong spiritual gift in evangelism. And his view on that will be much different because he finds it very easy to do that. Well, even as a pastor, I find it difficult sometimes. It's awkward I'll be at lunch with a student sometimes, and I'll watch the student. Our students have a hard time even inviting kids to church sometimes because it's just an awkward kind of subject. And it's sort of weird. You guys know when you're there, and maybe you're, you're, you're having, having lunch or dinner with somebody, or you meet somebody new, and they're talking to you, and they're learning about you. And there's that moment in your brain that you think, I, I really need to probably share about my Christian faith, but it's going to seem so awkward. It's going to seem like one of those weird topics. And you bring it up and there's that slight silence. That silence. How in the world do we get past that? How in the world can we get past, not the W word, how do we get past that? I want to look at a few scriptures today. If you'll turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, we've got three scriptures, two in the Old and one in the New Testament. Genesis chapter 12. And I'll give you a little time. Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. Genesis chapter 12, verse 2 and 3 says this, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those that bless you, and and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all people on earth will be blessed through you. And all people on earth will be blessed through you. And then turn over a few chapters to Genesis 22. Genesis 22. Verses 17 and 18. 
Genesis 22, verses 17 and 18 says this. I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. All nations on earth will be blessed. Let's turn to the New Testament now in Matthew. Turn over to Matthew chapter 28. Most of you probably don't have to turn over this because you've heard it so many times. Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28. And I'll just go ahead. It says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, the last scripture might seem like something logical that someone would use to talk about witnessing to other people. And the first two might not make a lot of sense, but it actually does make a lot of sense. It does. There's two things that said in that scripture that I want you to see in Genesis. And it's this. It says, all people on earth will be blessed because you've done this. All people on earth will be blessed because you've done this. A lot of people know that the Israelites, the Jewish people, were, were chosen. And in the Old Testament, they talk about being the chosen people. But the question you have to ask is, what were they chosen for? What were they chosen for? Listen, they were chosen for two things and, and other things, but especially two things. The first one, as you know, they were chosen to be the group of people that would stand holy before God and that would bring forth the Messiah. Bring forth the Messiah. A lot of people think that the Jewish people were originally supposed to be the only people, the only people that would, that would be saved, the only people that would communicate with God. That never was the case. The reality is, is that in those two, those two are actually prophecies leading toward Christ. All nations will be blessed. All nations will be blessed. So the first thing is they were brought forth so that they could bring forth the Messiah. And that was God's first plan. But the second one is this. They were brought forth so that they could show the rest of the world how great God was. How great God was. If you look in the Old Testament, you see numerous times. They were called the chosen people because they wanted, God wanted them to show everyone else how great God is. It was God's plan for other people to come to them and to see the, 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 the reality of how great God is. We were at camp last week and we were looking at the passage in Daniel where Nebuchadnezzar says, and your God is the true God. Your God is the true God. We see that. It's what got Solomon in trouble because people saw the grandeur of what Solomon had done and all these things had done and all the people started coming. Unfortunately, women came too and that's what got Solomon in trouble. But they saw how great God was. That, that, that was what the point was. They were chosen not only to bring the Messiah, but they were chosen to show exactly how great God is and what you can do when you have God in your life. That's what they were chosen for. And of course, we go over to Matthew and we read that verse and we see that that is Jesus' last thing He says. I want you to do this. I want you to go and I want you to make disciples. And He gives us instructions. We need to baptize them, then I want you to teach them the ways. Witnessing, not the W word. 
not the W word. Witnessing, telling people about your relationship with Christ is oftentimes a really tough thing, y'all. It really is. And so what I want to do this morning briefly, I want to show you four things that I feel strongly about in my own life and yours too. And this is probably going to be a little different than, than what you've heard before. Because I'm not going to tell you to go out and stand on the street corner. I'm not going to do that. And I'm not going to tell you to go to a foreign country either. I'm not going to do that. If you want to do those things, that's great, but I'm not going to tell you to do that. I think the Bible is very clear on how it speaks to how we are to witness to other people, how we are to be an example for other people. Let's look at those. The first one is how do we share Christ? The first thing we have to do to share Christ is we have to reflect God. If you look at the New Testament, you will constantly see Jesus reflecting his life back to God. He says, because the Father has sent me, it's because of God, it's because of God, it's because of God, it's because of God, it's because of God. He reflects back. He reflects back what God has done. Whenever he was asked, how is this possible? What in the world? How how does this happen? It's God. It's God. It's God. It's God. When we go throughout our day, And we have people that ask us things like, man, how'd you get through that? Or or what happened there? Our response, it's God. It's God. What do you mean it's God? I don't understand that. Well, let me tell you. The way it's God is, is this. And what we do is, is we begin to teach and reflect God back to the people that don't know him. It's what Jesus did. He simply reflected how great God was. He did. He reflected how great God was. He reflected the character and the nature of God. And that's exactly what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to do the same thing. There's a big movement right now in Christian Christianity in America. Called the, it's called being a red-letter Christian. And Pastor Jimmy spoke on this before. But it's simply taking what Jesus did and just doing that. If we simply take, if you don't read any other books of the Bible and you just take the four Gospels and you read those over and over and you look at those red letters of what Jesus did, if you do that for the rest of your life, you're going to be just fine. You are. Because you know what you're going to do? You're going to love God and you're going to love other people. You're going to reflect who God is. You're going to reflect what Jesus did for you and you'll be just fine. You'll be just fine. We are first to reflect God. Where are we supposed to do this at? Well, at our workplace. At our workplace. I'm not talking about, about on Friday, on Casual Friday, wearing a I Love Jesus or WWJD shirt to your workplace. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. I'm talking about every day of the week, reflecting who God is in your life. Reflecting when you have a struggle. Reflecting whenever you, things are good. Reflecting when things are bad. Being open and honest and real. Reflecting God is the first step. In witnessing, when we reflect God, what we do is, is we begin to make little slight cracks and we open up doors so that other people, we open up doors so other people can begin to wonder and ask questions. And then we take the next step. We reflect God is what we do. And how do we reflect him? We reflect him with the life we live. See, a lot of people, a lot of people want to go out and they want to evangelize and they want to witness, but their life doesn't reflect who God is. It's much easier, listen, it's much easier to go and to tell people about Christ when they don't know you 
It's easy to do that, isn't it? When they don't know you, a lot of people, it, it can be easy to do that if you're on a mission trip. A lot of kids I see who go on mission trips, man, they'll tell anybody, anybody they don't know about Christ. But it's those kids in their classrooms. Or it's for you, it's the people that you work with. Those things are difficult, isn't it? Because you know what you have to do? You have to build a relationship. And it's tough. It can be tough. But over time, over time, witnessing, we are to reflect who God is. The second thing is this. We're to build relationships. The main tool for me and hopefully for you in witnessing to other people is to build relationships with those people. For most of us, what we want to do is, is we want to take ourselves and we want to put ourselves in this little box. We stay in this little circle of people and we never get out of it. We stay there with people and we actually do things like, well, I don't really want to associate with them because they do this or they do that. Well, listen, the fact that they do that is the reason you need to associate with them. It is. We're supposed to build relationships with other people. Like I said before, if you look at the people Jesus hung out with, I think you'll find that he didn't hang out in his little comfort zone group. He didn't do that. Who did he hang out with? Well, he hung out with sinners and saints. He hung out with rich people and poor people. He hung out with old people and young people. All the way around, he had a vast number of people. Almost every facet of life was answered by who Jesus hung out with. That's what he did. He built relationships. And it didn't matter. It didn't matter what social status they were or what age group they were in. It didn't matter. Jesus built relationships with people. People are not going to trust you. And they're not going to trust you enough to look at your lifestyle and to trust you enough. They're not going to do that until they know that you love them. And you show that you love them by building relationships. You're going to do that anyway with people. You might as well choose one or two people that you can build a relationship with and to start to do that and get involved in their life and listen to them and and be there for them when they're hurting and just be a friend who can be there. And eventually, because of that trust, because of the things that you've done, because of the example, because you've reflected Christ, one of the things you can do is, is you can begin to share about your life. They'll see your life. You just have to live your life. Live your life in a way by building relationships. I'm losing some people. Are you with me? Thanks. Uh, build, 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 your, build your life by building relationships. There's verses all over the place. But this is in particular. A lot of people take the verse that I read earlier. And they say, well, we're supposed to go to all the nations and, and, and lead them to Christ. Well, that's great. It is great. It's a great thing. The Great Commission, right? A lot of people miss the second part of the Great Commission. The second part of the Great Commission is this. It says, I want you to go and make disciples. And then it says this, and teach them. And teach them. I respect missionaries so much because they go and they come into a situation and they build relationships. And then when someone gives their life to Christ, they teach them. Too many times what we want to do is, is we want to go and we want to tell people, oh, I led three people to Christ this week. Or, oh, I shared my faith with four people and one of them got saved. And then that's it. And we don't ever see them again. It's one of the reasons that Chris Gould, when he picks a missionary, uh, something to do for missionaries things, he always picks a church, a local church. 
He picks a local church so that he can come in, do ministry out of that church as far as... Now, they're, of course, going to know that, 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 that people are from South Atlanta. We're from Palmetto, the people that we we're ministering to. But they also know that their connection to the community is going to be the local church. And the church they're at this week, they will get those people who our people are witnessing to this week. How are we doing that? We're doing it through helping them construction. We're doing it through, through vacation Bible schools and backyard Bible clubs. That's how we're doing it. And what we're going to do is we're going to go in there. We're going to build relationships. And then the local church people who are among us are going to be a familiar face when they come in. We build relationships. We reflect, we reflect God and then we build relationships. The third thing is this. We live as salt. Okay, I'm going to make everybody's day. How many people like coffee? Raise your hand. Like coffee? Okay. Is everybody? Yeah. Some of y'all had your coffee. Some of you didn't. Who like coffee? I can see that. Um, when we were at camp, there was an interesting thing that happened. The speaker, his name was Duke. He loved coffee. He was ADHD, a youth pastor, and loved coffee. Go figure. Um, he did. He loved it. And so he drank coffee all the time. And we got into an interesting conversation with him about coffee. And he told this story about his dad. He said his dad would go and he would travel. And he would, he, there was just one place in particular that he loved to get coffee from. He did. He loved to get coffee from. And so what he did is, is, is he would go by there day after day. And this went on for years. Until finally one day he asked the lady, his dad said, I'm going to ask you something. I've had expensive coffee. I've had coffee in different states. I've had coffee all over. I've never tasted coffee as good as your coffee. What kind of coffee do you use? And she said, I just use the regular old coffee. Now, there's something different. What do you do? She said, well, I'm going to tell you what I do. Most people don't know this, she said. But if you'll take a little bit of salt, sounds crazy, but when you're brewing a pot of coffee, if you'll take a little bit of salt and you'll put it in the coffee, what that does is it takes the bite out of the coffee. The bitterness that's there, that salt takes that bitterness away. Just a little bit, it takes it away. And the guy said, no, you're kidding me. You don't put salt. Yeah, I actually do. I put salt in the coffee. It's what it is. It's salt. It takes the bitterness out of it. So my wife being the coffee addict that she is, um, by the way, you should have seen Amy Lee uh, the second day of camp. We were at camp and Amy Lee comes out looking um, rather disheveled. And I said, Amy, I said, uh, what's going on? Everything goes. She said, I can't make this walk every day to get this coffee in these little cups. I'm going to Walmart to buy me a mug and I'm buying a coffee maker. I said, okay. So when do you like to do this? She goes, oh, I'm doing it right now. We're going right now. Okay, let's go. Let's go to Walmart to get you a coffee maker. These ladies are so addicted to coffee that they went to Walmart, bought a coffee maker, bought all the supplies for it so they could have it in their room so they wouldn't have to make the walk up to use the coffee in the small cups. And I'll tell you, day two, three, four, five, and six were a blessing to me. They were a blessing. They were fantastic. People love their coffee. But it's the salt. Now, it sounds like it would be nasty. So I had to try it. And I did. And I'm not a big coffee drinker, but man, that was the best cup of coffee I've ever had. It was fantastic. It really was. Salt. It takes the bitterness away. Jesus said, 
We are to live as salt. So we reflect God, we build relationships, but also we are to live as salt for people. Why? Because salt, like it does in coffee, it takes the bitterness out of people's lives. It does. It takes the bitterness out of people's lives. There's a place in West Tennessee called Whiteville. And Whiteville has got a barbecue place, Whiteville Barbecue. It is a tiny little hole in the wall. But radio stations all over West Tennessee talk about the Whiteville Barbecue. Not for their barbecue or their ribs, but because every Friday and Saturday night, they serve 16-ounce steaks. And people come from all over, and oftentimes you have to wait to get in to eat these 16-ounce steaks. And they are so good. Fantastic. We would go over there, and we would get these steaks. And they were so huge, oftentimes we would, we would, have, we would put, cut them in half. But they were amazing. They had the best flavor to them. It was fantastic. The steak was so good. It was so good. And so me being nosy, one night I decided I was going to try and see exactly what it was that this guy was putting on the steaks. And he had this bag of stuff. And it looked really good. And I said, what is that stuff? And he told me about this seasoning that was mostly based in different salts. And he would take it and he would put it on the steak and he would grill it up and you could smell it a mile away. You knew what you were going to get when you got in there. It was, the, it was the, the salt that brought out the flavor. But the thing is, when I went over there, I didn't say, man, I cannot wait to eat that salt. I can't wait. I can't wait to eat that salt. I can't wait till I get over there and have some of that salt. I can't wait to get over there. Man, when I sit down, I'm going to wear that salt out. Oh, I can't wait. I didn't do that, did I? What did I do? I said this. I can't wait till I eat the steak. Why is that? Because of this. The main course has never been the salt. Us. It's always been the meat. It's always been the steak. It's always been Jesus. And that's what we're supposed to show. Y'all, our job is, is simply to be salt for people. What does salt do? It flavors things. It flavors people's lives. Our lives should be flavored to the point where we show Jesus. We're salt. But something interesting about salt. Has anybody ever went through McDonald's whenever they've put a little too much salt on the fries? Maybe someone poured some and you come through and pour someone else? Has anybody ever done that? Man, I'll tell you, pretty bad, isn't it? You can take a great French fry and mess it up by too much salt. You can. I want to tell you something. You can take a great relationship and trying to force those things on people, it's too much salt. It's too much salt. Too much of you. Too much of you. Banging on the door. They're dying to get in here, y'all. They're banging on the door. Love that kid. But too much salt. Too much salt. And oftentimes, we are too much salt. It's too much about us. The fourth thing is this. And finally, we are to be an example as you go. 
the Old Testament refers to the chosen people. The chosen people. And they were to show people who Christ was. They were to bring forth the Messiah and show people who Christ was. The scripture that you read in Matthew is literally translated this. And as you go, make disciples. And as you go, make disciples. Our job has never changed from the Old Testament to the New Testament. We are still to show people the greatness of God. But it's supposed to be from our lives. It's never changed. As you go. As you go where? Well, as you go to the store. As you go to work. As you go to the mall. As you go to church. As you go to the movies. As you go out to dinner. As you go home. As you go. The Great Commission, y'all, is not for you to go and stand on a street corner. It's for you to go and live your life in a way that represents Christ so much that someone wants to know what is different about you. That's what it is. I'm going to ask you to do something that may feel a little bit awkward, but I'm going to ask you to do it anyway. I want you to think for me for one second. How many of you know one person that is within your sort of immediate circle, maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's someone who's in the, your family. How many of you know one person who needs Christ? One person. One person. Can you stand up for me if you know one person that needs Christ? Stand up. If you're able to stand up, Mike, don't hurt yourself. One person. Okay. I want you to do I want you to I want everyone to look around. Everyone look around. Look around. Look at everybody else. Let everybody look around. See all these people? Okay. I want to ask you a question. What would happen? What would happen if you took one person? Just one. I'm not asking you to do 15, 20, 25, 30. What would happen if you took one person and you said this today? You know what? Today, I'm going to choose one person. And that one person, I'm going to choose them. And for the next year, I'm going to... To reflect God. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to show them who God is. I'm going to build a relationship with them. I'm going to live as salt so that they can see Jesus. I'm going to do that. I'm going to be an example for them. I'm not going to beat them over the head with the Bible. I'm not going to take, I'm not going to try to force my religion on them. I'm not going to try to, my relationship with Christ on them. I'm not going to try to stuff it down their throat. I'm just going to be there for them. When they have a need, I'm going to try to meet it. I'm going to love them like Jesus loved me. One person. One person, one year. If you did that, one year, you have 365 days. Look around at the impact that we could have just in this church. We've got 65 people on, gone on the mission trip. So you can add 65 to this number. Look around at the impact that we could have. One person. And I don't care if you're in fifth grade or, or you're 85, one person in one year, if you would build that relationship, one person, what kind of impact could you have? See, God doesn't want you to walk around with this huge mission. Y'all can sit back down. Andrew, you can sit back down. God, Andrew was like, look, I'm tired of standing up, man. My back's hurting a little bit. Uh, but God doesn't want you to walk around going, oh gosh, the preacher is speaking on witnessing again. Yeah, I do that sometimes. I never do that ever. 
God doesn't want you to walk up and say, Hey, I'm Barry, and um, there's a track here. God loves you. You're a sinner. And you're you're going to hell. And you see how this thing unfolds? It's really neat. And and it's in the shape of a cross. Isn't that cool? And that's about Jesus. Do you want to accept Him? No. God doesn't want you to do that at all. That's not at all. Are tracks great? Sure tracks are great. I find one every time I go in the Chick-fil-A toilet. I do. There's a track at Chick-fil-A every time. Has everybody, ever, everybody else ever do that? They have it in the women's bathroom? Because the men's bathroom, there's a track every time you go wash your hands in Chick-fil-A at Thomas Crossroads. I don't know who leaves it there, but I'm proud. I read it. I'm like, oh, cool. <clears throat> tracks are fine. But Jesus never walked around handing out tracks. He didn't do it. They're fine. People have been led to Christ through tracks. Don't hear me. Don't hear me wrong. But what Jesus wants you to do is He wants you to be salt in people's lives, and He wants you to reflect who He is and who He was. Because He knows that if you do that, you'll love them enough after they give their life to Christ to teach them. The second part of the Great Commission is to teach them, and He knows that you'll love them enough to do that. Everyone in here, take one person. One person. Don't make the evangelism linebacker come after you. Take one person and lead them and talk to them and love them enough. One person. That's all it is. And you'll be amazed that after that year, you have a deeper relationship with them. You'll pour, you, but just because you're praying for them, you'll love them more. And then maybe one day you'll see them come to Christ and then you take another person. And then another and another and another. And you'll be amazed at what God will do through you and you'll be amazed the impact that this church will have for our community. You'll be amazed. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you, Lord, so much for who you are, God, for the great, I don't know, Lord, just the great things that we have here at our church, Lord. We're so thankful for, for the people that are here that got up and came, Lord. Lord, make us people that reflect Christ, Lord. Not religion. We don't want religion. or we want, we want to reflect Christ. We want the relationship part of it, Lord. And I ask you, Lord, to just put this on people's hearts today. N- not to have some overwhelming dread on their back that they have to do this or they're no good or they're disappointing God or... God, have them just go and look for people that they can be examples for. People that they can have relationships with who maybe don't have a close relationship with you or don't know you at all. God, I pray that as they go, as they go to the restaurants today for the waitresses and as they and the waiters and as they as they go throughout the evening and tomorrow to work and 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 in a month or so for the kids going to school, that as they go, they just shine. They just salt things. God, they take away the bitterness. God, I just pray that you would do that for us. Lord, make us not dread the W word. Just embrace it. Live our lives in a way that's examples for other people. Let people talk about our church and our people. Yes, man, I don't know what's going on there, but that's different. I want to know what's going on. Lord, let us be people who are different, but different for you, Lord. Lord, we love you and we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name.
Amen.